Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Levins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Monday, January 15th, 2024. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a national holiday in the U.S. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverns and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. It is great to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Hope you had a really good weekend and stayed nice and warm uh, while much of our nation dealt with brutally cold temperatures as that Arctic blast uh, continues to affect over 100 million people. Now, uh, tonight, uh, the Republican Iowa caucuses are kicking off the presidential nominating process in more than 1,700 locations with voters. They're going to have to brave the frigid cold temperatures in order to vote. Now, this is also a big week for the pro-life movement culminating with the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. this coming Friday. Join pro-lifers by signing up to pray and fast in solidarity with the marchers at relevantradio.com fast. Receive our free downloadable booklet, The Choice is Love, to help you answer the most pressing questions facing the abortion debate with compassion and church-grounded teachings. Join us this Friday for hashtag fast for life. You can sign up this morning at relevantradio.com slash fast. Want to bring in our morning air team this morning, Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines here on this very frigid Monday morning? Well, John, as you and I both mentioned in the past couple minutes, it's uh, the uh, Getting down to business now for presidential selection time here. The uh, first in the nation Iowa caucus is going on tonight. Part of a, a one-two punch with the uh, uh, the primary in New Hampshire next week on Tuesday. And uh, the Republican side, of course, dominated by uh, former President Trump. The latest Iowa poll came out on Saturday night. Uh, Mr. Trump with a, a big lead there. But uh, over the weekend, uh, the three leading candidates had their final say. And this is what it sounded like. I don't think Nikki's strong enough to be president. I know her very well. I know her better than anybody. One of the reasons I gave her that job is I wanted Henry McMaster to be governor. He was lieutenant governor. He's fantastic. And she did okay. She was okay, but she's not strong enough to be president. Bring it. Bring it. I want him on a debate stage. I've said that over and over again. If he wants to put me in a barrel, then put me in a barrel on a debate stage because that's where we want to see him. I mean, they're being so sweet. They're giving me so much attention. I appreciate that, but it's because they see what we're seeing. They can throw a blizzard at us and we are going to fight. They can throw media narratives at us and we are going to fight. They can throw fake polls at us and we are going to fight. We are going to fight because we are going to turn this country around. And Glenn, uh, as you heard, a very fired up uh, Ron DeSantis. He doesn't believe that the polls uh, accurately uh, can tell what's going to happen in a caucus uh, like what's happening tonight uh, in Iowa. Uh, he is absolutely convinced that uh, he visited uh, the entire state, uh, every county, and he feels that he has got uh, uh, you know the potential to have a really, really uh, a good uh, night tonight. And uh, those who analyze such things uh, think he needs to have a really good showing, for sure needs to, to come in second place to, to Mr. Trump to, to keep going in the primary process. Uh, 
that, that uh, Iowa poll that uh, came out on on Saturday night, uh, referred to a little bit uh, as Mr. Trump with that uh, 48 to 20 lead over Nikki Haley with 16% going for Ron DeSantis. Historically, is seen as fairly accurate, but it, the uh, caucuses are a little different situation than uh, just a straight up vote at the polls. Uh, also, of course, how much will the weather affect? Uh, you know, folks in the Midwest used to pretty cold winter weather, but it's exceptionally cold today in Iowa. Iowa folks are used to cold weather, uh, but uh, the uh, temperatures predicted tonight, uh, 17 below, wind chills uh, minus 30. Uh, Those are brutal conditions for anybody. So anybody who uh, ventures out uh, to vote in the uh, 1,700 different uh, caucus locations uh, is somebody who really wants to to, – to make a, a statement. Look, I don't uh, b- live in Iowa, but if I was somebody at one of these Iowa, I'd say, hey, look, you got some hot chocolate? I'll be there. Okay, you got to give us an- another incentive to get out of the vehicle because driving there is one thing, but then uh, the little brief walk from one to the other, not everyone can uh, shuffle. Some people have to walk, and sometimes slowly, so it's cold. Glenn, it was so cold uh, yesterday uh, that uh, my uh, scraper literally cracked into two pieces as I was trying to scrape ice off my Uh, windshield. Good old-fashioned winter. You know what? You need to use them like we used to in in olden times, John, and that would be a, a, a cassette tape case. Also works as a scraper if you need that. It reminded me of uh, watching Patrick Mahomes' helmet, you know, literally crack in about a three-inch gash uh, fall out of his helmet uh, in uh, the Chiefs uh, game the other night. Oh, that is classic. That's that's it speaks even more to the cold weather than a a, uh, a frozen Andy Reid mustache or or a poor Taylor Swift trying to scrape off enough of the window in the uh, the suite to see the game. Yes, uh, the poor Dolphins didn't know what hit them in such uh, cold conditions. Uh, they really didn't have a chance. Meanwhile, and that was Saturday. Uh, yesterday, NFL uh, playoffs. The Detroit Lions finally, finally won a playoff game. They clinched their first playoff victory since 1991 with a 24. 24- 23 win over the LA Rams in the NFC wildcard round at Ford Field as heard on the Lions radio network. Shotgun snap, Goff back, Goff looks, Goff pumps, now throws, end zone, yes. caught, touchdown Detroit Lions, Sam Laporta. He's back, he's playing, and he's in the end zone. Dan Campbell rolls the dice, Jared Goff pays it off with a dart to 87. These Detroit Lions are going to win a playoff game. Detroit, stand up, you've waited for this. (laughs) This game is over. Oh, the Detroit Lions have won it. Celebrate, boys, celebrate. You're coming right back here next week to take on the winner of the Philadelphia-Tampa Bay game. What a night. What a night. Glenn, you got to love it. The fans of the Honolulu uh, Blue, the Detroit Lions. Uh, oh, they've been waiting a long for... time. Long time. Absolutely. I mean, last time they won a playoff game, that was before I had gray hair. That's how long ago. <laughs> last time they won a playoff game, it was uh, during the Barry Sanders era. That's how long it goes. So, yeah. A big, big win uh, for them. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the Green Bay Packers are also moving on in uh, the uh, divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Uh, The Packers went up 27-0 midway through the second quarter, and they never looked back in a 48-32 victory as heard on the Packers radio network. Jones alone sent back. Give it to Aaron Jones. Picks his way up the middle. Touchdown! Touchdown! Aaron Jones! 
Jones doing it again to the Cowboys. Give to fake Aaron Jones. Love bootlegs right, throws it back against oh, the grain of the end zone. Oh, Touchdown on a diving grab. Me. It is Romeo Dobbs. A sidearm throw into the end zone. Rolling to his right by Jordan Love in traffic. And the Packers are piling it on the Cowboys. It's 47-16. to and uh, obviously, it was a huge, huge uh, game for for the Packers. Uh, running back Aaron Jones running for 118 yards and three touchdowns, while quarterback Jordan Love threw for three more TDs in the route over the Cowboys. Uh, the Packers will now head to San Francisco to take on the 49ers next week. So, uh a uh, big, big uh, day yesterday in uh, NFL football, Glenn. Uh, lots of excitement for the fans in their respective cities. Oh, like we said, uh, it's been a long time for, for Detroit and uh, and for Green Bay to kind of turn their season around after kind of a slow start. And Jordan Love looking every bit like the uh, third uh, awesome quarterback in a row for the Packers. And, uh, you know, over the course of decades, it's so, some uh, great look for Wisconsin's uh, football team there but some of those uh, Packers wide receivers on some of those plays looked like Maytag repairmen they were just the lonesome out there wide open and uh, so Dallas kind of not show up it seemed like and uh, tell you as a you know intense football fan when it comes to you know nemesis of the Vikings over the years Dallas have been a, a good one of course and so I was listening to a little bit of a local Dallas radio after the game last night and uh, they're expecting a whole bunch of new coaches uh, I think by the end of the week well, uh, you know, they take uh, their football very seriously down in, in Dallas, so that's a, a big disappointment for them. They were, they were heavily favored, but, you know, uh, kudos uh, to the Packers. Uh, I, I thought that Jordan Love looked in so impressive. I mean, the guy looked like a, you know, a Brett Favre, uh, you know, a clone. I mean, he, he just had such amazing uh, ability to throw the football, to find the open men. He just looked so calm, and, uh, you know, for a team that was, I believe they were the last team to get into the playoffs, uh, they were really, really impressive. It, it was a total rout. Yeah, it really was. Uh, not as close as the, the score looked. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, both sides seemed uh, to, to think the game was over much earlier than it was. A uh, couple uh, touchdowns for Dallas and some of the starters, including Love, went back in uh, for, uh, <laughs> for Green Bay, but uh, the Packers prevailed with that giant lead they had. There's more football coming up today. The game that was uh, moved from Saturday due to the weather uh, actually from uh, it was moved from yesterday. Uh, on Saturday they made the call, but uh, the Bills uh, would have been hosting in a blizzard the Steelers yesterday, so they'll be hosting them in a snowbank in Buffalo. That game late this afternoon at 3.30 Central, and then the final NFC spots will be figured out tonight with the Buccaneers hosting the Eagles. Well, I'll tell you, I know what it's like uh, uh, to uh, to see a, a playoff game in Buffalo. Uh, the, the snow and the wind there is something else. I was there years ago covering uh, the old Houston Oilers, and I'm telling you, those conditions uh, in Buffalo are unbelievable so i can see why they move the game a little it will be played uh later this afternoon glenn as always uh, appreciate uh, your passion for football <laughs> hey if it helps it's there <laughs> all right first things first we always start every morning uh giving thanks to our lord for all of the many blessings always through the intercession of the mother of god our blessed mother mary as we continue to pray for peace in the world especially in the middle east and in ukraine Peace in our nation, peace in our church, and peace in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On Mondays, uh, we uh, typically pray for the souls in purgatory. Uh, Pray for your family and friends and your loved ones who really do need our prayers. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. As Catholics, we need to always be prepared to give a reasoned explanation for what we believe and why we believe it. There will no doubt be uh, situations when someone asks you, why do you believe that Mary is the mother of God or that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ? Or where is purgatory in the Bible? Every Catholic dogma or doctrine is from sacred scripture or sacred tradition. The church just didn't make things up out of thin air. So we need to be ready to answer with charity and clarity, with gentleness and respect from whoever challenges us about our Catholic faith. Know your faith, know what scripture, tradition, and the catechism teaches, but always do it with respect. And we always pray with great confidence from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. As always, you can send us an email directly uh, with whatever might be on your mind, uh, any thoughts or story ideas you want to share with us. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Uh, Father Rafael Capo, Vice President of Mission of St. Thomas University, will join us from Miami to talk about how evangelization tops the U.S. bishop's priorities in a new Hispanic pastoral plan. So stay with us. There is much more to come on this Monday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Caribbean music uh, to warm your hearts here on this frigid morning for most of our nation. Welcome back to Morning Air on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm John Barras along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always find us on social media on X, formerly Twitter. Our handle is at Morning Air Show as well as on Facebook. Our toll-free line if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. Now, last week, the U.S. bishops released their new pastoral uh, plan, this national plan for Hispanic ministry, which uh, 
emphasizes evangelization and mission as uh, the top priority uh, for uh, the bishops uh, for this nation's growing population of over 30 million Latino Catholics. This plan is uh, meant to guide and serve uh, the country's Hispanic population over the next decade. There are many uh, leaders in our church uh, uh, in this day and age that say that Hispanics are the past, the present, and the future of the Catholic Church in this country. Joining us live from Miami, Florida, is Father Rafael Capo with much more on how evangelization tops the U.S. bishop's priorities and the new Hispanic pastoral plan. Father Capo is a Puerto Rican native, a priest of the Archdiocese of Miami. He's vice president of Mission of St. Thomas University. Father Capo is actively present in social media with an emphasis in ministry to young people and calling to fitness of body, mind, and spirit. Good morning, uh, Father Capo. Welcome back uh, to uh, Relevant Radio and uh, Morning Air. Thank you so much uh, for uh, being with us. It's it's good to be with you once again uh, as you join us from a nice, uh, warm Miami. Yes, good morning, John. It's, I'm happy to join you and uh, sending warm greetings to all your listeners and to everyone listening here on Relevant Radio. I, warm greetings from our freezing 70s. Oh, my goodness. That is something else. Well, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of uh, that uh, Columbia uh, salsa music uh, that uh, we uh, used at the, at the bumper. I, I thought of you. I thought you'd enjoy that one. Absolutely. We're warming up the the music here in Miami as well. So. Okay. Well, tell us about this U.S. bishop's new document uh, named Missionary Disciples Going Forth with Joy. Well, so, so the U.S. bishops in uh, their last meeting in the summer, they approved this national pastoral plan for Hispanic ministry. And it was um, decades that uh, we were working with a framework uh, that was kind of outdated, even though it was, it was grounded in uh, principles that were still relevant, but we were missing a natural pastoral plan that uh, would would continue our work in the church in evangelization, formation, and mission, uh, going from the reality of U.S. Hispanic Latinos in this present moment. The last pastoral plan was from the 80s, and the, uh, the bishop said this is a, a new moment in the, for the Catholic Church in the United States. It's a new moment for evangelization, and uh, the growing population of, of 30 million Latino Catholics is calling for the U.S. Church to do something, not just for the U.S. Church to do something for Hispanic Latinos, but for U.S. Latinos to do something for the Church. Well, I know that this is something that uh, is very cl- close to your heart and, and to your ministry. Uh, you have been a part of Hispanic ministry for quite some time. Yes, uh, I've been involved with Hispanic Latino ministry, especially with young Latinos uh, for some decades now, and uh, uh, I was uh, regional director for Hispanic ministry with the U.S. bishops uh, in the Southeast and at their uh, organization that's called CEPI. And uh, I had the joy and blessing, and, and I still do, of traveling around the nation, meeting with uh, Hispanic Latino communities, parishes, organizations and around the nation, and knowing their the opportunities and the challenges that they're facing and uh, being committed missionary disciples. 
Well, a lot has changed uh, since uh, the last uh, plan for Latino ministry back in, in the 1980s. And uh, this new plan uh, that uh, was uh, um, figured out in, in the summer was just recently uh, released, uh, the, the details of it. Uh, and this uh, it coincides with two big anniversaries. Uh, can you share us with us a, a little oh, yeah. bit about what's coming up in, in 2031 and 2033? John, it's really exciting because in, in the coming years, in 2031, we will be celebrating the 500th anniversary of the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And those apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe, those 500 years, are a calling to continue the evangelization that came forth as a blessing from the apparitions of Our Lady in Mexico not just for Mexico, but for the Americas. It was uh, a moment that just became a blessing of evangelization where things turned around in the Americas and we're leading up to that 500th anniversary. So uh, these coming 10 years are a moment of grace that we need to start working in better responding to evangelization and making a commitment to continue those efforts. But then we also have in the horizon the 2000th anniversary of, of the death and resurrection of our Lord in 2033. That will be a huge, huge uh, celebration, a great jubilee for the uh, universal church. And the church in the United States needs to respond as well to that moment of grace. So, so we're setting our work with Hispanic Latino ministry with those two anniversaries in the horizon. Well, those are huge uh, anniversaries that we can look forward to. And, it, you know, it reminds me, our own uh, CEO here, Relevant Radio Father Rocky, has said that he believes uh, that the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe in, uh, in 1531 was the most important event in the Americas in the last thousand years, because in the year 1000, there were no Christians here in the Americas. Indeed. So it, it was a turning point for the history of the Americas, and the efforts of the missionaries back then were not being fruitful. And it was because of the apparition of Our Lady that things turned around and the Lord opened the hearts of, of Native people in the Americas to, to the message of the gospel. Want to open up our phone lines and invite our listeners if you have a question or comment on Hispanic ministry in the U.S. If you yourself have been involved in Hispanic ministry or if you attend a Spanish mass at your parish, we are taking your calls for Father Rafael Capo at 888 Four nine. You know, as, as I'm inviting the folks who, who go to Spanish Mass, yesterday I had the opportunity to uh, go to an English Mass at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe here in the Chicago area that normally uh, d does uh, Spanish Masses. And yet there was a ton of young English-speaking Latinos on hand. And in a way, it, it's it very much, uh, you know, a symbol of what is going on in our country with so many of the young people uh, speaking both languages, but also, you know, liking to hear the gospel in English. Yes, absolutely. Uh, hey, and I was I was struck uh, this past week. I I was at the screening of the upcoming movie Cabrini, and uh, telling us the story of our great Italian American saint that ministered to Italian immigrants in New York, and how that story of our first Amer American saint 
Italian-American saint is so relevant at this moment, telling us we need to continue these efforts of evangelization. And with the great and growing numbers of Hispanic Latinos that not just need to be ministered to by the church, they just don't need for Mass to be celebrated in their native language, the language they pray from the heart. They are called to evangelize because the great numbers are not just the immigrants. It's not just those that are coming. Uh, John, it, it is impressive how the big numbers of Hispanic Latinos in, this, in the United States are the U.S.-born Latinos. They are the majority. And so there, it, it's, we're, we've come to the moment where the church realizes we have to do a better job in evangelizing them, in, in giving them leadership formation, so that they will be empowered to be not just missionary disciples, but leaders for evangelization in the Catholic Church in the United States. We need to empower and uplift them so that they will become the leaders that we need, especially with, with vocations to the priesthood and religious life coming from the Hispanic Latino community. Uh, Padre Capo, uh, what does uh, this uh, Hispanic uh, pastoral plan uh, recommend uh, for us to to focus on when it comes to uh, Catholic Hispanics in the U.S.? Well, the document itself, it's a beautiful document that that begins recognizing that at this moment of grace, the Hispanic Latino presence is a blessing from God for the Church and for our country, recognizing how the Hispanic-Latino community brings forth so many blessings to the Church in the United States. And then they, the, the pastoral plan, the bishops, uh, look at, at pastoral priorities in 10 different areas where Hispanic-Latinos can make a difference for the Church in the United States, and that the Church in the United States needs to walk with Hispanic-Latinos so that they will be better evangelized and informed. And the, and the those 10 areas are very important. They, they range from evangelization and mission, for faith formation, uh, pastoral accompaniment of our Hispanic Latino families, youth and young adult ministry, uh, pastoral care for those that uh, are in, in special situations, promotion of vocations, and for me, very specially, very important, the area of Catholic education. We need to... Uh, to realize that we need to do a better job in, in, in bringing our Catholic, Hispanic, Latinos, not just to K-12 uh, education in our Catholic schools, but also to Catholic higher education. As much as we, we can do a better job in forming and giving a better education, a Catholic education to our Hispanic Latinos, they will be making a difference, not just for the church, but also, also for our society and the nation. Father Capo, uh, we, you mentioned the 30 million uh, Latino Catholics in this country, and to put it in perspective, that's 40% of the U.S. Catholic Church in America. I mean, that is a huge demographic, uh, and this is, I'm sure, why the bishops are so concerned of addressing the needs of Latino Catholics. Yes, but it's even more dramatic, John, if we look at the younger population, because if we're looking at Catholics 18 and younger, 60% are of Hispanic origin. 60%, imagine. So realizing that the majority of young Catholics are of Hispanic Latino origin, we, we need to put resources. We need to do 
something more to give them, not just uh, programs that will better serve them, but education, uh, programs that will form vocations to to marriage and, and religious and, and priestly life in the church. Well, there, there's no doubt uh, that, uh, you know, we have seen and the bishops have seen uh, how uh, Hispanic Latino, uh, the community has uh, really reinvigorated uh, the life and mission of, of thousands of parishes ac- across our country. I, I think uh, the American church needs uh, for uh, a continued evangelization uh, across our country with, with all of these uh, young Latinos. And and the beautiful thing is, hey, these young Latinos, these young uh, Latino families, they bring profound faith. They bring love for the family. They bring appreciation for the gift of life as a gift from God. They bring authentic Marian devotion, a sense of, of, of hospitality and solidarity, of the joy of living the gospel. So, hey, we need that to reinvigorate the church in the United States. Father, do you have any idea what uh, what they are planning for this 500th anniversary of uh, the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe? So we're at the stage that we're we're we, we're realizing that we need to do something at the local level. Each diocese needs to start uh, planning how they will be uh, going forth for this great jubilee of the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So we're, we're also listening to our brothers and si- Catholics, brothers and sisters in the South, uh, as they are moving forward with different initiatives. And we hope to come up with a plan that will not just be local, but also national. And uh, this uh, will be a prelude to the 2000 anniversary of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ it is sort of is sort of fitting because our blessed mother always points us uh, to her her son uh, Jesus uh, father capo can you give us uh, your blessing absolutely may the lord be good and gracious and send his blessings upon all our families so that on this day of martin luther king junior we will keep dreaming with God's dreams for each one of us. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Father Capo. Thanks for being with us here this morning. I really appreciate uh, your expertise and your perspective. God bless you, John. Many blessings to you. Father Rafael Capo, a priest of the Archdiocese of Miami and the Vice President of Mission at St. Thomas University. We need to take a short pause when we come back. On the other side, Dr. Eric Wallace, uh, the President and Co-Founder of Freedom's Journal Institute and the host of uh, Kingdoms in Conflict, will be with us to talk about a Christian perspective on Martin Luther King Jr. and where our country is when it comes to black relations. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this morning. Monday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. 
And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can email us directly anytime. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. A toll-free line if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. Now, as you know, today we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a national holiday here in the United States. It's an opportunity to promote racial harmony in America and honor the slain civil rights leader who was inspired by the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the famous words of Dr. King in his speech at uh, the Lincoln Memorial in front of more than 250,000 at the March on Washington, D.C. in 1963, in which he called for civil and economic rights and the end of racism in the U.S. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. Powerful words. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a scholar and a minister who led the civil rights movement. After his assassination on April 4th, 1968, he was commemorated on this day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Joining us live this morning from the Chicago area is Dr. Eric Wallace to discuss a Christian perspective on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and where our country is today in terms of black relations. Uh, Dr. Wallace is the president and the co-founder of Freedom's Journal Institute, a nonprofit organization designed to advance the kingdom of God through social, political, educational, and engagement. He's also the host of Kingdoms in Conflict, a matter of faith, uh, race, and public policy, which is a national TV production of Freedom's Journal Institute. Good morning, Dr. Wallace. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this special day. It's great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. It's, It's great to be on. Thanks for having me. Dr. Wallace, what, what is the significance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, especially in these times when our nation still needs uh, more unity and, and more healing than ever before? I think it's a reminder of where we've come from. And I mean, there's a lot, as you mentioned, there, our nation's kind of torn, um, but it's torn because there's some people that act as though nothing has changed since the 60s. Yeah, we're still back there. We're still struggling for for civil rights. But what it shows is that America is a great nation and that it's able to change over time, that people's perspectives will will change and and people will, um, you know, uh, you know, back in the 50s and 40s and 50s, there was this the racial animus. It's the the same type of animus is not here today. It's different. Um, I mean, we have issues, but it's a different different kinds of issues that we have now where actually black people are trying to say, 
are, are acting racist against white people now and uh, trying to say that uh, the only way to fight racism is to be racist. So <laughs> it's kind of flipped on its head where King was talking about us looking at the content of our character and not being judged by the color of our skin. It's kind of been turned on its head. Absolutely. It's just contrary uh, to uh, what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, taught. Uh, he was uh, very much focused uh, on uh, uh, the Holy uh, Sacred Scriptures uh, and uh, specifically the, the Gospel of Lord Jesus Christ uh, in, in particular uh, to resist and to counter the, these social sins of, of prejudice and racial discrimination and segregation. So he had a very a spiritual, a very Christian worldview. He did, and he did, and I, I try and remind people as we talk about these issues that, um, that you know, if we go back to Genesis, that, that God created human beings, male and female. It nowhere says in the text that he created everybody white or he created one, one race. And I actually try not to use race; I generally use ethnicity. He didn't make one ethnicity greater than any other. And, and, and understand this, John, nobody picked the color of their skin, right? <laughs> nobody picked the color of their skin. Nobody said, you know, I want this much melanin in my skin, or I want to be born in this particular time period. I don't want to be born to these particular people. God decided all of that. So how dare we act as though one, one uh, shade of melanin is better than another shade. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody had any kind of control over it. Anything that we have, any of our characteristics, a hair color, skin color, eye color, height, weight, athletic ability, none of that. And so how dare we even try and use any of that to try and act as though we're better than somebody else? <clears throat> it just doesn't make any sense. Dr. Wallace, um... <clears throat> Sometimes it amazes me the way the Holy Spirit uh, works. Uh, my producer, Sarah, uh, played a, a bumper um, that had the words, uh, a long time coming. She had no idea that I watched a movie that really touched my heart on Friday night. It almost brought me to tears. It's called A Long Time Coming, a 1955 baseball story. And it's a story about two little league teams, one black, one white, uh, that played each other uh, back in 1955 at a time when... Uh, most teams didn't want to play the black teams at a time when uh, black children couldn't drink water out of a normal water fountain or go to the bathrooms or go into a restaurant. And uh, like you said, we've come a long way. Things really yeah. have changed quite a bit, even though we still have work to do. But I thought that that movie really made such a strong uh, statement and, and a message uh, about the importance of that brotherhood that Dr. King wanted us to have at the end of the movie, these guys 60 years later get together and they're hugging and loving on each other. It's just, it was so moving. Yeah. They're, they're interesting. There's a number of stories like that. Um, I think it was, remember the Titans. I mean, it's a couple other, especially when it comes to sports, it's like it, when you've got a common goal um, to do certain things, a lot of times you'll find out that a lot of the barriers that we have up end up falling down because you start realizing that white people want the same things black people want. Black people want the same things Hispanics want. I mean, we all want the same things. We want to be able to take care of our families. We want to be able to prosper. We want to be able to you know, buy the house, the white picket fence or whatever. <laughs> and, and we want to live in harmony, right? Um, nobody wants to be a constant war with anybody. Um, and nobody wants to be judged by their parents. We want to be judged by the content of our character. At least, at least that's what we've been told. At least that was the message of Dr. King. And as I've said, some of that stuff has been turned on its head today. And 
Um, and we're never going to get, let me, let me say this as well. We're never going to get rid of, um, in my opinion, we're never going to get rid of racism, right? It's always going to be around. It's one of those, it's another sin. I mean, we're not going to get rid of adultery. We're not going to get rid of, you know, lying. We're not going to get rid of any of these things. We fight against them. Yes. But it's never going to fully disappear until Jesus returns. Right. So, you know, we do our best. Um, I'm not one who puts racism at the top of the list of what black people have to fight against. Um, there are a number of other things that we have to fight against um, in our in our society. And, and racism isn't the isn't the top thing. I think it's been dealt to, to a certain extent a death knell where it's never going to be the number one thing anymore. It's there. Like like everything else, but it's not the number one thing holding black people back. Perhaps uh, the the lack of uh, fatherhood in the black community uh, it might even be a, a bigger issue when you look at the, at the fruit of what has happened in the last uh, you know thirty forty years. Oh, I would agree with that. I would agree with that because if you go back and look at before the sixties, um, black children were you know I think it was eighty percent is the number that's given. Eighty percent of black children were born in two parent households. Now it's like just almost the reverse, like 70, 75% are born into single family households. We look at what's happening with education, um, black children, as well as white children. I mean, most of our children are not reading and doing math at the grade level. And we're still pushing them out and expecting them to be able to <clears throat> compete in the job uh, and with jobs. And they're not able to. And so if they're not able to compete, or if they're not finishing high school and dropping out, they're more likely to become common criminals because how else are they going to support themselves? So we've got a lot of issues, John, that, that really have nothing necessarily to do with race, but have everything to do with the family and education and what it is we're, we're highlighting as important in our society. Another important issue is the issue of life. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in a letter from the Birmingham jail said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Can there be any greater injustice than uh, abortion, especially in the black community? Yeah, that's another issue that's, that's really big. We're, we're, uh, I believe it's New York. I think it's New York City. We're aborting more babies than we're, that are being born. I mean, if you don't have respect for life, <laughs> for the for the baby in the womb, how can you possibly have respect for life once the baby is, is born? I mean, that's the problem we have, right? You know, these days with people shooting each other in the street, uh, uh, shooting each other in the street and stealing people's cars, beating people up. There's just no respect for life from the womb to the tomb. And we've we, we've got to fight against that and stand up for life. I think Dr. King had it right. Today, of course, is a, a national holiday. Um, and m- most schools and other institutions are closed today in honor of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, uh, can you see how powerful his influence is uh, yet today in the present time? It is for those of us who understand his message. Um, like I said, there are a few out there who have tried to uh, manipulate that message and, and change it and set it on its head. I think those of us who understand what he was trying to say, what he was trying to do, need to continue to carry that message forward and try and, you know, try and say we need to get away from judging people according to their skin color, but according to the content of their character. He was about merit. He was about character. He was about freedom to be able to not only 
succeed, but also to fail. I mean, freedom means that you have an opportunity to fail. And sometimes we learn a lot by failing. And I think that uh, there are people out there, though, who reject the message and are trying to say something totally different. But, John, people like you and I need to stand up and and actually uh, proclaim um, the good news that, yes, um, there there is opportunity, but it's not always going to work out the way you want it to work out. Well, there's no doubt that there are certain parts of uh, Martin Luther King's dream that has come true. We still have a lot of work to do uh, as uh, brothers and sisters here in, in, this, in this country. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for uh, being with us, uh, Dr. Wallace. Really appreciate uh, your perspective. It's my pleasure. Many blessings to you, Dr. Eric Wallace, uh, the president and the co-founder of Freedom's Journal Institute. And now it is time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. And something we often do on MLK Day, hear from MLK. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together this is our hope this is a faith that i go back to the south with with this faith 
we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring. From the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania, let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. What a powerful, uh, special uh, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. edition of Story Corner. Thanks, uh, Glenn. Coming up uh, next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, uh, Father Burke Masters, the pastor of St. Isaac Jokes Parish in Hinsdale, Illinois, will be with us to continue his B-Formed series and talk about uh, The Church is Communion. Plus, a Catholic speaker, podcaster, and faith coach, Kendra Von Esch, will join us to discuss the souls in purgatory, how we can help them, and how they can help us. So stay with us. There is much more to come in hour number two on this Monday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app.